today. It's always a blessing to have um, friends and regular family, but to have individuals and different people visiting is a blessing. Um, it's nice to see you, nice to have you with us. Um, is that me now, brothers? All right then, amen. So, oh, oh not just yet. Okay. Amen. So, for those of you that can see this side, at least until that side catches up, we are, we're doing a Bible overview. We're doing an overview of the whole Bible, and we are now in week two slash three, really, because this is week two, part two. <laughs> it's funny. I did see, we've been praying about change. Obviously, we had a time of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year, and that's kind of, kind of continued in short fashion. So, we did that again this week, Wednesday, Thursday. And one of the things we're praying about is change, in it? And um, if it's any encouragement to you, um, normally I always go over my preaching time, and which is not encouraging at the beginning of the message for me to say that. But um, last week, I took the liberty to stop like halfway through, you know what I'm saying? Which is something, you, if you know me, I never do. Like you could be sitting there like buck, bucking, in the pew, I still keep going. I don't business until I get to my destination, whether you're with me or not, right? But last week. So be encouraged. The Lord is evidently at work. Change. <laughs> Amen. So, so we're talking about <clears throat> the fall. <clears throat> we're in Genesis chapter 3. If you turn with me to Genesis 3 at least until Pastor E is able to get that working. So Genesis chapter 3. And I suppose I want to ask a question is your turn in there. And my question is, have you ever experienced something good? I mean, really good that pretty much overnight turned very, very bad. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Real sour, something that was wonderful initially. And I suppose with that in mind, let's pray. Father, thank you um, because... You are, um, you are God, and you are our God. And there's a great difference, or a great, um, there's a great amount of space between just those two statements. You're God, but you are our God. And we're grateful because as our God, we know that you are for us. And often confronted, Lord, with times of difficulty and challenge. And even when we have something that looks so wonderful, that can overnight, momentarily, in a minute, in a moment, in a flash, turn and change and become something horrendous, like an animal even. Um, we thank you because in the context of your, your existence as God, we can still have hope. And we want to thank you for the big story. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you because it starts off wonderfully and then goes horribly pear-shaped, yet we know it has a wonderful conclusion in the end. And you bring us into that story. Inevitably, we can't get away from being a part of that story, positively or negatively. And, and Lord, as we do this Bible overview, especially today as we pick up in the fall, would you help us as we... Continue to think about these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, did anyone, was anyone able to relate to that? Something really, really good turned horribly bad. 
So God creates this world, and it was wonderful. By his own admission, it was not just good. When he looked at man, it was very good. Um, but then things turned sour. What seems so wonderful turns horrible. If you're like a fairy tale, and I'm saying mo in one moment becomes a horror movie. <laughs> Talk about stark in contrast. And we love stories, don't we? I mean, I, I suspect most of us love to watch a good film. And, uh, and some tend to rather read in than watching the film, if, you know what I'm saying, you take one particular case in point. And um, I, I love reading, thank God, you know, from when I was little, there weren't no PlayStation back in the, oh, tell a lie, there was, there was Atari. Um, remember Atari with that funny joystick? Um, but it was blip, blip, blip tennis, it weren't, there weren't nothing special about it, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, and and I used to read when I was little, and I thank God for, for that discipline. And some people say, you know, I'd rather, watch, I'd rather read the book than watch the film. You know what I'm saying? Because in the film, evidently, often, you're kind of let down. Because in your mind, you can kind of fantasize weird and wonderful things that they can't do on film. I suspect they're catching up now with CGI and whatnot, right? But we all love a good story. And if you know anything about me, you know I hate watching a film 10 minutes in. If I walk into a room and a good film's on, I just walk right back out. There. Especially if it looks really good, I walk right back out. Because I want the juice. Like I want, I want, when I get halfway into the film, I'm referencing back. And you know when you get to the end of the film and it climaxes and it's got, a, it's got the twist. If you didn't watch the beginning, you'd, it's like you don't even know that there's a twist when you see the twist. Do you know what I'm saying? And... Looking at the Bible is very similar in the sense that if you don't get these first few chapters in Genesis, you are not going to get the rest of the book. You know what I'm saying? Um, I say generally speaking, there's a lot that happens here that is repeated, but the wonderful intro, the wonderful, you know what I'm saying, kind of pray, not even prelude, but the, this part, this section at the beginning of the book, of the film, absolutely is vital. And our topic, the fall, <clears throat> we're looking at its implications and um, we pick up the story where? In the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden. And last week we looked at... Uh, I, I didn't get past for my first point last week. So we looked at the serpent, um, verse 1 to 5. Um, the tripwire that influenced the fall. You know what I'm saying? And we talked about the fact that, you know what? That, like, the, the enemy's sneaky, he's slimy, he's subtle. And he was too much for Eve and Adam. And we want to we wanna be aware of the fact that we're dealing with, a, when we talk about the devil, we're talking about a formidable adversary. Do you know what I'm saying? And, <clears throat> and, and what that screams is, like, if we got this adversary that we can't cope with, we can't handle, if you think you can, you know what I'm saying? My, my stepdad used to say, um, when you come across someone who thinks they know who thinks they know, and they know not that they know not, they're a fool. And if you think you can handle the devil, whether you believe in him or not, you know what I'm saying? You've got another thing coming. And, in, and, and with that thought in mind, what comes screaming at me is, oh my gosh, if I can't cope with him and look at the drama, look what he's caused, I need a hero. Like, we need a hero. We need a hero tonight. He's got to be fast. He's got to be strong. He's got to be... Um, I don't, we need a hero. You know, 
he's got to be up for the fight or something like that. Amen. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and, 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 like, and why? Why do we need a hero? When we, when we describe the, the fall, oh, we've got another problem with that projector again. The fall is, if you like, you want creation moving away from God's perfect pattern. Moving away from God's perfect pattern to a lower, lesser state of existence, which as a result ends in disastrous circumstances with eternal consequences. That's why we need a hero. <clears throat> and you see, that's the plot line, if you like. That's the story that we've been talking about. We tried to summarize the whole Bible in four words. Remember? Creation. What next? This is where we're at right now, the fall, redemption, and then what? New creation or recreation, right? That's summing up the whole Bible right there in four words. And, and, and there's this progression, isn't there? There's this progression from creation, you know what I'm saying, hopefully ending up in recreation, which is actually going to be better. That's why it's higher than creation. It's going to actually be even better, um, but we're not, at, we're not there. We're at that fallen place. You know what I'm saying? And, and yet, even though we're at that, that, that fallen place, today we see that the fall, literally in one chapter, is going gonna, is gonna to progress into redemption. That is God doing something to provide us with a hero. Redemption. And pretty much the whole of your Bible is virtually redemption. You know what I'm saying? We see creation in chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis couple little bits and pieces sprinkled throughout the Bible talking about creation, like in Job and so on. And then you've got, and then you've got Genesis, um, Revelation 21 and 22 talking about the recreation. Everything in between <laughs> is redemption. And so, the fall. The fall. And we've done um, the serpent. Today we're going to look at the sin, the sentence and the Savior, all with regards to the fall. And so, yes, here we are, the sin. Verse 6 to 13, this is the sin, the breaking of God's commandment, effecting the fall. Right. If you look at your Bible with me, hopefully you're in Genesis 3 now. Um, verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. Remember, this, the whole thing now is she's standing there. The serpent's done his thing that we talked about last week, right? Inveigled her, tricked her, um, you know what I'm saying? Hoodwinked her. Verse 6 picks up. Now she's going to respond. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, see, she's convinced now, and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. I mean, if it was just one of those things, it would have been enough to cause her to stumble. But you see the back-to-back -back layered like temptation that she's facing, and she yields. She took, it says, the fruit. She took some and ate it. How many of you know, based on this, Eve isn't the hero She's not our hero, and I'm going to pick on the girls for a moment, right? Don't worry, I'm going to get to the guys, yeah? But I'm just going to pick on the girls for a minute. Well, in a sense, I'm not really picking on you. But heroines, 
Like when, when you think of heroin, especially nowadays, maybe, the, maybe 50 years, 100 years ago, that, like, there was maybe only a couple of heroines, probably a few of them in the Bible, like Deborah, and I'm saying, you might think of Joan of Arc, but today we've got some modern day heroines, you know. Yeah, Buffy, the vampire slayer, you know. Yeah. Oh, I, I, and what do you know about Xena? Warrior princess, you know. Listen. Oh. And who else? Who's one of the big ones that comes to mind? Do any of you play computer games? Uh, who said Lara Croft? All right then, Mark. You see? See them there? All the female icons, you know. Heroines, you know. Tomb Raider. See how my girl look bad? She's not taking no nonsense, you know. Listen. And then we got probably one of the real big ones. Um, what's this one? Hunger Games, right? What's my girl's name again? Um, oh, go. Katniss, Ever Evergreen or something like that, right? Yeah, and you know you can tell who's the bad man, right? In the group there, see her there? Not Zena. Oh, out of all, no, no, no. I mean, in the Hunger Games group. Look, this. Look, there's, there's guys and there's girls, but you know who like like who's the like the real man them, right? It's my girl. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's, and, and it's, it's crazy, watch this. Even for the younger category of heroin, right? We've got Mulan, and you've got Pocahontas, right? I'm just, for good, I'll just throw that in for good measure. Because <laughs> all the ladies have been bombarded with these pictures of hey, You know what I mean? You don't need the man, the men are waste men. You don't need them, no side man. You just, you're a woman, and you can, you, you can deal with this on your own. It's pretty much... All right, let me not even, I'm, I'm not even going to go there. That's, I'll, get down, I'll go down a rabbit hole that I'll never get out of, right? <clears throat> so I'm just saying, how many of you know, like Xena, like Lara Croft, like Buffy's, not, she, they're not the heroes. And the, ladies, Eve is not the hero. We see that. Look at, look, look at Genesis 3 again, verse 6 through to verse 7. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Oh, my gosh. And it wouldn't be so bad if she had to go looking for him. Adam, where are you? Oh, let me go find Adam and give him some of this fruit. It's so nice. Do you see what the text says? It says that she gave some to her husband who was with her. Now, there's an argument about, oh, you can't really tell that he was literally standing there with her. He was with her in the garden. Well, I think there's room for both. And, and I probably would go more with he's standing there. And he's standing there how? Like Pastor E mentioned when we was talking about, about prayer, like as like our men's ministry, even though it's kind of ceased for a, a minute, we, we, we have this, this, this statement, and it's like a, a rallying cry, and it's actually rally, R-A-L-I. And R is, you guys remember? Huh? Rejecting passivity. How many of you know Adam standing there? Passive. And, I mean, I know it's something, it's, 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 it's a sinful inclination that I struggle with on a consistent basis. You know what I'm saying? There's just a temptation to be passive. They say that in order for evil to triumph, all you need is for good men and women, I would argue, to do nothing. Passive. And we're trying to reject that attitude of passivity. You know what I'm saying? There's a need for it. So I would say maybe Adam was there and just passive and it's just typical and, and not even that. Instead of him just boxing the fruit out of her hand, it says that, and, and he ate it. She gave it to him, and he ate it. 
Verse 7, and the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized that they were naked. Mm. Something's happened immediately, and the repercussions are going to be catastrophic. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, you know, we're talking about like biblical theology. We're talking about little stories throughout the Bible that point to the big story, you know and I'm saying, and help us to understand that the Bible is one story, right? And one of the things we see as we look a little bit further um, in the New Testament is exactly what takes place here, but described for us in more theological kind of terms, right? So we see Eve tempted in terms of the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So when the woman saw, <clears throat> right, in verse 6, Eve surrendered to this temptation in exactly the way that John describes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. First, she gave in to the lust of the flesh. She saw that it was good for food. That's the lust of the flesh. <laughs> I think that's what we're trying to reject when we're fasting, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? And then, <coughs> then she gave in to the lust of the eyes. It was pleasant. It was appealing to the eyes. That's why advertising works the way it does. A thing of beauty that she then desired, right? Then she gave into the pride of life. Why? Because this thing was so desirable because it would make one wise. It was going to grant wisdom and learning. And with that comes esteem, right? That's our brother Dave Guzik who, who says that. And... And, 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 and you see, the, the, my point again is Eve isn't the hero. Part of what is going on is, here is God trying to show us that the hero's not come and he will come. And we're going to fast forward slightly to the real hero. Who's the real hero? It's Jesus, right? And do you remember Jesus? Jesus was tempted. Do you remember? And it wasn't a wonderful um, environment. It was quite harsh, and he was really hungry for how long? You guys remember, 40 days, right, in, uh, in kind of like the wilderness area. And in the same threefold way, Jesus is tempted. You know what I'm saying? There's an appeal to the physical appetites. Um, there's an appeal to covetous and emotional desires and an appeal to pride, right? In Matthew 4... says, um, verse 1, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Does this sound a little similar? I mean, it's the same brother that's doing the tempting, right? Verse 2, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's an understatement. Verse 3, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God. He ain't coming with his slimy self again, right? Command these stones to become loaves of bread then. Now, two things. You can see the appeal to his physical appetite, right? Bread, he's hungry, and he can do this, right? And appeal to pride, like, if you can do this, then do this. Uh, you're the son of God. Show me. It's deep, isn't it? You see that? Um, <clears throat> but he answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus like, shwing, shwing. Jesus, draw for the Excalibur on him, right? Draw for the word of God. Verse 5, then the devil took him... Next strategy, to the holy city. How that happens, I don't know. Some kind of translation thing, I don't know. This is, you know what I'm saying, obviously the Bible is a spiritual book. Now like we said last week, Deuteronomy 29, 29. We don't understand everything that's written, 
but it's not hard to imagine how this could happen. And he says to Jesus, he's on the pinnacle now of the temple. You've seen them films where tutus, you're hearing all of a sudden, on the top of a building, and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, how did I get up here? You know them kind of, again, them CGI type of effects things. And he says, if you are the son of God, ask the same question in a sense again, then throw yourself down. It's like he's pushing this temptation a little further now. This, oh, all right, all right, I tried it before and it's not really working. All right, but let me try it again. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. And he draws for heavy artillery now. Jesus drew for the Bible, so he now draws for the Bible. And he begins to quote scripture. And he says, for it is written, he, that is God, will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Quotes, you know what I'm saying? Is it one of the Psalms? I can't quote it to mind. And here we see an appeal again to pride with the twisted use of scripture this time. I'm telling you, it's like, you're not ready. We're not ready for the devil. Verse 7, Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I didn't put these ver- the, Jesus' response up because I couldn't fit them all in one slide. Verse 8, if you join back with me, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. He's got something about heights, I don't know. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world. How did he do that? And their glory. One of the new Jesus films. That's, you see the devil do that. He's tempting Jesus. And again, because you've got all this technology now. He shows him. He goes all throughout all the ages. Like, like the Babylonian Empire. The Persian Empire. The Grecian Empire. The Roman Empire. And all through the ages he's showing him all of these empires. All of the kingdoms of this world. You know what I'm saying? And their glory, and he said to them, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. I mean, ultimately, that's what the devil wants, right? Because that's what Eve did in the garden, and she didn't realize it. And you see the appeal to covetous and emotional desire here. And it's crazy, right? He says, look, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all these kingdoms. It's like, give me what? Jesus, like, he owned them already. But the, pro- the only difference is between him and Eve is he knew that. Eve knew it, but she forgot it. Because remember... The, 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 devil, the devil came to tempt Eve and says to her, oh, you know what I'm saying? If you eat the fruit, you'll be like God. And she like, she like, duh, all right then. Instead of saying, what are you talking about? I'm already like God. Duck out. You know what I'm saying? God made me in his image and his likeness. But she didn't, she didn't say that. Unlike, unlike Jesus, right? <clears throat> and Jesus said to him, verse 10, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left. <clears throat> but remember, he only left for a season, right? Because Jesus, he also wrestled this temptation. And this is our biblical theology. He also wrestled in temptation. How again? Remember, what's our context today in Genesis 3? Hmm? The fall. And what's the scene? What's the scene? The garden. Good. That's a, that's a clue to the next temptation that Jesus faced. In the garden. In the garden of Gethsemane, that is. And can you see the scene is very similar? Why? Because he's surrounded by trees. Just like in the garden of Eden. Right? He's on the Mount of Olives, right? Olive trees, bury them. And the scene is very similar because in, the same gar- in this garden, there's also a serpent. And in this garden, we also have an Adam. We'll come back to that in a minute. 
sorry, Eve, you're not the hero. <clears throat> um, Jesus is. Second part of verse 6, it's a good argument that, like I said, that Adam just stood back. Um, verse 7, it says their eyes were opened. Now, it could be argued that the opposite really was true, that their eyes were closed. Their eyes were open before, now their eyes are actually closed. Or their eyes are closed and now their eyes are open. You understand what I'm saying? It's a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? And um, see, the, the, the question is, have they gained or have they lost something at this point? What's one of the things you could argue they lost at this point? You know, when you've got children, thank you, my brother. It, it, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a heartbreaking thing to see a child lose its innocence. Because you know that they've just, they've just turned a corner now. And I mean, Adam and, Eve, and, and Adam and Eve have now, they've lost their innocence. And they realize that, I mean, you know when kids are little, they run up and down with no, no clothes on. They don't care. <laughs> and that was Adam and Eve at one point. Not a kid, I mean, you remember what it was like not to have a care in the world? <laughs> as, a, as a little and, you know what I mean, and um, innocent. But now they realize that they're naked. And how does this make them feel? And what do they do as a result? Verse 7 the second part of verse 7, what do they do? They cover themselves up. See, and the question is, who are they hiding from? All of a sudden, you know. Well, it could be argued they're hiding from each other, possibly. Otherwise, why would they cover up? You know what I'm saying? But ultimately, we know that they're hiding from God. Look at verse 8. Genesis 3. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. Oh my gosh. Like, talk about, like, see how the story's getting scary now. God's walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? It's a good question, isn't it? It's a question that I think some of us have heard at some point in our life, like, Robert, man, like, really? Like, really? Like, where are you? What are you chasing? What are you aiming for in life? What's your dream, your passion? What's your greatest desire? Where, where are you at? You know what I mean? And it's a good question, isn't it? Because it helps us to reevaluate those things that we value. Like, especially based on what Adam had and potentially what he's now going to lose. And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Oh, afraid. Because I was naked. Now, why would you be afraid because you're naked? He's not really telling God really, really what's going on. You know what I'm saying? He says, and so I hid. And he said, the Lord said, who told you that you were, God's deep, you know. Boy. Who told you? You were naked. Who told you that your perspective on the circumstances are such? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? You can get good parenting skills, you know, when you look at how God deals with his people. Saying sometimes we just jump to the jump straight to the point, you know, what are you doing in there? <laughs> sometimes we just need to ask some, just you know, to penetrate. All right, Pastor E, you see, Father, 
yeah. He's got two girls. He better know how to ask questions, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's not just for the girls. That's for the guys who come looking for the girls, right? Yeah. Oh, where's Denzel? Where's Denzel? <laughs> yeah, you don't know. Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, uh, 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 um, the, the, the woman, <laughs> the woman that you gave, that you put here with me. Yeah. He thought that obviously was a good response. She gave me some fruit from the tree. Like she forced it in my mouth, right? And she made me, she moved my jaws up and down and then she caused me to swallow. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy, right? And the Lord don't even respond to that. It's heavy, heavy. Well, I mean, imagine if that was me, that would have been it. I wouldn't have been able to hold back at that point, right? But the Lord, like, Lord cool. The Lord just turns to verse 13 and turns to Eve. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, uh, 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 um, like, oh God, all right, Adam turned around and blamed me. I've got to find someone to, bl <laughs> to blame, right? The serpent. There ain't no one else to blame. The serpent deceived me and I ate. So we see them hiding. We see them embarrassed. We see them making excuses. Um, I mentioned it already. What else do, do they experience as a result of their sin? We see this, this fear in verse 10. And I'm saying, now every, you know, every attempt to cover our own nakedness before God, like we, listen, we listen to this, and it's, it's like a drama. You look at it, and you laugh, we all laugh. I mean, how many of you know Adam and Eve ain't laughing? How many of you know the whole human race, if they really understand what's going on, ain't laughing? If you're a Christian, you know what I'm saying, and you've been saved, we look at, we, 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 we survey 21st century life. You heard about another stabbing this weekend in Lewisham. Another young man, I, don't, I haven't even got all the details. Young man, right? I don't know how old he was or how young he was. 21? Myself and Pastor E were doing a funeral next week. Young man, 21. He didn't die of natural causes. He got, he got stabbed 11 times. And we're having to do the funeral. I'm like, you look at this stuff and you look at the re repercussions of sin and we don't laugh, do we, when we really know what go on. See, we need a hero. We need someone to come and rescue us. And, and the Bible even speaks about this nakedness and the need to have it covered. It's like sometimes we're tempted when someone drops the ball to point the finger at them and laugh at them. That's our culture, isn't it? And banter. Like you see someone running for the bus and they trip over. Bending up, you know. But they, someone drop over and probably possibly hurt themselves. And look, even look now, I look around and I can see. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, and it's funny, isn't God isn't like that. He, 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 he. Every attempt to cover our own nakedness before God is foolish. We need to let Jesus cover us. In Revelation chapter 3, um, verse 5 and verse 18, we see that. And, um, and there's this encouragement in Galatians 3, verse 27, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, to allow him to cover our nakedness. Jesus says um, in Revelation chapter 16, verse 15, he says, Behold, 
I am coming as a thief. I mean, God's got this habit of sneaking up on you, right? He's done it to Adam in the garden. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> He's gonna, it looks like the Lord's going to do it again. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. See, now, <clears throat> in our story, none of the guilty are willing to take the blame. You see that? Satan don't want to take the blame. Adam don't want to take the blame. Eve don't want to take the blame. And, and the devil, well, he ain't got no one to blame. And, so, and, and we see this blame shifting, right? And, that's, and, and how many of you, I mean, talk about like kids do that. You know what I'm saying? But then big kids do that. You know, they say the only difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. You know what I'm saying? Big men act just like children. We act just like children sometimes, don't we, fellas? You know what I mean? And, <clears throat> and blame shift. Turn up late. Oh, it was the bus, you know. Yeah, of course. This bus comes at this time and it arrives at this time. What about the bus that came an hour ago? Why didn't you get on that bus? But I'm not talking about that bus. I don't want to talk about that bus. I, want to, I'm, I have to shift the blame from me saying, I'm whatless. You know what I'm saying? I can't, I set my, I can't, either I can't even set my alarm to wake me up, or when the alarm goes off, I, I, I don't turn it off. I, I, I want five minutes more, and, I, and I don't want to say that because that, that means people are going to look at me like, wait a minute. You can't even set the alarm and get up to an alarm. You're a big man. You know what I mean? But, the, but it's the shame that's associated with that that we don't want, isn't it? And we want to cover ourselves. <coughs> that's why we shift the blame. <coughs> Excuse me. So we talked about the serpent. We've talked about sin. Um, number three, let's talk about the sentence. Because it's not just what we've seen that is the result or the repercussions of the sin. There's a judgment, and it's short, and it's also long-term in terms of the effects. <coughs> so if you join with me again, hopefully you have, you have got your, your Bible. Genesis 3, we're at verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, all right, okay, <coughs> I've heard you guys have all had your say, right? Because you've done this, first of all to the serpent, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Very, very mysterious. Verse 15, right? <clears throat> now, we're going to come back to verse 15. Um, but looking at verse 14, this is more than just judgment on the serpent, on the animal, right? There is judgment on the animal, the serpent, in verse 14. Possibly, it's argued that maybe the serpent had legs before, but now it doesn't because it says now part of the curse is you will crawl on your belly. I don't know, you know what I'm saying? That's us trying to make sense of what we don't understand fully. Verse 15, like I said, seems to be speaking to someone other than the serpent. Can you see that? He's speaking to the serpent, but at the same time, it's like, it's like Paul turning and speaking to that woman in Acts 16, the slave girl that was possessed by a demon. And he speaks to her, but he's not speaking to her. He's speaking to the demon inside of her, right? And here, the Lord is speaking to the serpent at one point and then shifts and then begins to speak to that which is possessing the serpent. 
right? Again, let's come back to verse 15 when we get to the end. So, continuing in verse 16, to the woman, he now, the Lord now turns and says, it's like he's working kind of backwards. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. I bet people, I don't believe the Bible's true, really. Okay. (laughs) There's some things that just don't change. And the Bible seems to catalog much of it. With pain, you will give birth. And all the ladies said, amen. Or, oh me, right? To children. Your desire will be for your husband. Mm. Oh. I mean, you could spend, you could do a conference on verse 16. (laughs) Your desire will be for your husband. And the argument there is, um, in the next chapter, Cain, you know what I'm saying, is warned, you know what I'm saying, about sin wanting to rule over him. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same word that's used here when it makes reference to the fact that um, the woman desires her husband. It's not that she loves him and she wants to be with him. I think there is a sense of that. But it's more so she's now going to want to usurp his authority. (laughs) See what I'm saying? The whole conference, right? Because the next part of the verse says, and he will rule over you. Meaning, that's not the order, right? And, And... Verse 17, to Adam he says, because you listened to your wife and ate from the, from the tree about which I commanded you. Remember last, t- last time we talked about the fact that Eve never got the direct command, Adam did. And he's the one that was fundamentally responsible, right? Um, where am I? To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree from which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And that's what we're going to remind them at the funeral on Sunday, you know, on Wednesday. It's not just, you know, this person in a casket, and I'm saying... But we all, at some point, are going to return to the dust. You know what I'm saying? And again, trying to tell me the Bible ain't true. Like, well, change that. Fix that if you're bad. Prevent people from, from being dust and going back to the dust. I think the truths of the Bible, it's not that you know, they're contradictory or they're far-fetched. I think they're just too true for, for people to just have to deal with. Verse 20, Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. It's amazing that Adam's even breathing or speaking and he never got executed on the spot, right? I mean, this is a picture of God's grace. Adam named his wife Eve. Adam's still got this kind of little bit of authority, you know what I'm saying? And it's a bit like looking at a mirror that was perfect and it reflected God in terms of the image of man. But now the, the glass has been shattered. Or sorry, the, the glass has been the glass has, the mirror has been broken. You know what I'm saying? And now you can still see the reflection of God in humans, but it's been horribly affected. Do you know what I'm saying? This is a result of the fall. And Adam named his wife because she would be the mother of all the living. 
The Lord God made garments of look more grace. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. I'll come back to that. Verse 22. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Verse 24, after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim. Remember we talked about cherubs last time? Um, these, are, like, these are angels, potentially not just angels, but archangels, like angels on the next level, right? With a flame and a, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. <coughs> Can you imagine? Sometimes I think about it and I think, rah. Imagine the Garden of Eden is still on the, on the earth somewhere. I mean, deep in some kind of jungle, Amazon somewhere. And possibly over in the Middle East, over in that direction, possibly. Because when you look at um, Genesis 2, it talks about the rivers that, <coughs> and all of them, River Euphrates, kind of like where they are, possibly. Who knows? But, I mean, the Garden suit. I don't want to stumble on this garden <laughs> and this cherubim. Sin that leads to judgment. You see what the judgment is? Banishment, right? And there's three things we see. <clears throat> First of all, curses. Cursed on the serpent, right? Not just the physical snake, but the spiritual serpent, the pastor Eden, a job where he smashed the ball out of the park, talking about, um, he so smashed the ball out of the park, I can't remember the title of it. I know it's the, it's the, it's the help me someone, it's the demon slayer. Help me. The birth of the, the birth of the dragon slayer before Christmas, right? Increase of pain in childbirth, literally. And in verse 16, the battle of the sexes. How many of you are married? <laughs> if you're not married, you're right. You, it's like, when I tell you, I say this all the time, right? And people who are single or unattached, as however you like to term it, right? Never hear this. But when they get married, all of a sudden, it's a bit like Paul saying, when you get married, you're going to have trouble in the flesh. As a single person who's not married, you're like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still want to get married. Still, still, still want to get married. Don't hear it. And then you get married. And, you're, and, and they'll be like, Rah, Pastor Rob, Pastor E, oh, my Bertram, Neil, I'm, 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 my, my marriage. And, and then you turn around. That's why we do marriage counseling, right? For our people when they get married. We're not, we don't marry anyone unless they do marriage counseling, right? With us. And then, and then we say, oh, but you remember when we done marriage counseling? And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's, a bit like, it's a bit like the woman that came into um, Damien Kyle's office. I think I told you this story before. Woman comes into Damien Kyle's office and he says to her, he says to Dame, um, Pastor, Pastor Damien, I've got this terrible thing I'm going through. And Pastor Damien's like, really? He's like, explain. And she explains. And, and he pulls out his Bible and he says, oh, it reminds me of a story in the Bible. She says, don't tell me about the Bible. This is real life. <laughs> Don't tell me about the Bible. <laughs> it's like the Bible is real life. And, you know, and, and sometimes couples go through drama. And then you just want to say, okay, but remember, we said that you will have trouble in the flesh. Like, brace yourself. Now, the thing is, now, when people are, people are caught in, you know what I'm saying? Because we don't encourage dating, right? When people are caught in, they don't want to hear this. No, I don't want to hear no negative. Don't tell me about no negatives. And I, no, no, I'm, I'm in my honeymoon period. And oh, cool. You, you don't listen. Don't listen, innit? But we will remind you 
of that which you were not listening to when the time comes, innit? And I'm just saying, obviously, I'm making, I'm, I'm, I'm making light of it. But, you know, you just need to be, be encouraged if you're going through a difficult time, if you're married. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, this, this year I've been married for 26 years, Pastor E the same. Um, there's quite a number of people that have been married. I look around the room and I, you just need to talk to someone who's been married for a while. You know what I mean? Because they'll be able to... They'll be able to comfort you. And you know how? First Corinthians 2, isn't it? The Lord comforts you with the comfort that you need so you can go comfort somebody else when they need it. Hey, now, nah. I wish we could wave magic wands. We live in a microwave society, right, where we want things fixed immediately, but sometimes our character isn't fixed overnight, and the Lord will use these things to change us. You know what I'm saying? And it's painful. And um, we wouldn't be changed otherwise. And so we need to just embrace it <laughs> with tears running down our face. You know what I mean? Because God will get you through. And then when he does, you look back and you say, wow, praise the Lord, man. And, and the thing is, in marriage, what you tend to do is, like, like I said, you do marriage counseling. <clears throat> and what can I say? I'm married myself. You know what I'm saying? In marriage counseling, you sit the man down and take the woman out. It's like, all right, talk to me, fam. He's like, oh, it's that woman, man. You'd be like, oh, it's classic Genesis 3. Oh, Adam telling me about Eve. You know what I'm, what I'm saying? And you talk to Eve and she's telling you about Adam. And, and, um, and, 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 and real maturity takes place when the person says, you know what? I can't even point the finger at my wife. You know what I mean? It's, uh, and, and probably you can. <laughs> <laughs> and speak to the wife. You know what I'm saying? And she says, you know what? I've got... Like, whatever's going on, I, I know I got my part to, like, any person that don't say they got their part to play, now then you, now then you really got problems, you know what I'm saying? Ultimately, everybody has to at least say, you know what, I, have, I got my part in it. It takes two to tango. <laughs> what, what, why, why am I doing this? How, how much longer have I got? Um, man's zoned out, you know, you can't, <laughs> you know what I mean? You, I was going to say, I'm in trouble when the timekeeper like, falls asleep, but maybe that's not a bad thing, because then he can't tell me when to stop. <laughs> um, the curse, you know what I'm saying? The battle of the sexes is what I was talking about, right? Women trying to run things, yeah. Um, uh, uh, on one hand, come on, this is what the text says. The woman is going to want to do that. It's part of the curse, you know? and it helps us to know this. You know what I'm saying? That's why Paul says in Ephesians 5... Wives, submit to your husband. But then the man's got issues because he's not loving his wife. I mean, this was highlighted for me just this morning. Hey, you know what I mean? Hard-headed, stiff-necked, you know what I'm saying? Husbands like me who think they know everything and no one don't know anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, 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 like I said, so, like, men who won't take responsibility sometimes. I think half of our problems with our wives, we wouldn't have them if we just took responsibility. And she don't have to tell me ten times. Robert, this is the tenth time. How can I tell you ten times and the tenth time not tell you with a little bit of intensity? <laughs> like, how are you going to get upset because I'm, I'm being a little bit intense? It's ten times. Well, that's my testimony. What can I say? I hope you single people are listening, you know. All right. <laughs> but I know you're not. <laughs> the next curse is on the ground, right? Hard work and then physical death. 
Sin that leads to judgment that results in not just curses, but look, broken relationships. Relationship, the wonderful relationship <clears throat> that, that, that they were enjoying as they lived under God's rule previously is now broken, hiding from God. Relationship, relationship between Adam and Eve is messed up. Relationship between mankind and creation now is messed up. And obviously, fundamentally, mankind and God, there's a frustration in the relationship, to say the least. Sin that leads to judgment, that results in curses, broken relationships, and then ultimately, death. Verse 18, at the end of verse 18. <clears throat> Spiritual death. Because how many of you know, God says the day in which you... People always be like, oh, here we go. People, I've got 10 minutes. People at the... People, people always tell you... Oh, I lost my train of thought now. Um, spiritual death, physical death. Oh, it's gone. Spiritual death. Yeah, people always, <laughs> people always um, say the Bible's contradictory and the Bible's stupid and foolish. What kind of foolish book that you read? You know, God saying to Adam and Eve, "Where are you?" What kind of God is it who doesn't know where, where you know where Adam and Eve is? That's the God you worship. I'm saying, I'm like, you're not a parent, are you? So you wouldn't understand this unless you're a parent. And, and stuff like, well, God said that the day in which they eat the fruit, they would die. Look, they didn't die the day, the day they ate the fruit. Yes, they did. They didn't die physically. That's coming. They died spiritually. They were separated from God, right? That eventually will lead to physical death. And I love the way that... Um, so I've been encouraging you to get this book right, God's Big, Big Picture by Vaughan Roberts. Um, I've got to mention that because sometimes some people listen to the MP3 and they're like, what book did you hold up? I think Sam was Sam. Sam's like, what video did you show last week? And I'm saying. So Vaughan Roberts talks about the kingdom of God throughout the whole Bible described as God's people in God's place under God's rule and God's blessing. That's the kingdom of God. And you can trace that through every epoch of human history. God has always got a people. God has always got a place. How many of you know when God said to God said to Noah, Noah, you're my people, right? Build an ark. And how many of you know the ark was God's place at a particular time in history, in human history? And if you want to be saved, you better get in the ark. It's the only place of safety. You know what I'm saying? Fast forward into the New Testament. <clears throat> God's still got a people. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the church. Sorry, it's, it's Christians. And God's place is now the church, or more specifically, in Christ. So you want, you want, to, get, you, you want to get saved, don't build, a, don't, don't build an ark. And then climb in it. That's not going to save you in this epoch. If you want to get saved, you need to get in Christ. He's the ark of safety. right? I'm trying to say that you see that consistently throughout the whole of the Bible. And that's where you find his blessing. So we saw that Adam and Eve, um, this is the pattern, this was what was supposed to be, right? Adam and Eve in the garden are God's people. The garden is God's place. God's rule is his word, don't eat the fruit from that tree. And the blessing was perfect relationships. But then, what we now see, hmm, is the perish kingdom. No one is God's people at this point, it seems. And I'm saying they're banished from God's place, the garden. They're not submitting to God's rule in terms of his word. There's disobedience and, and here comes the curse. Not blessing. Mash up relationships. Not perfect relationships, but the opposite. Can you see that? Two chapters in, you know. Only two chapters. 
and look at the drama. See, if you know how to read your Bible, you don't have to watch EastEnders. Swiftly moving on. What a contrast to creation being good. Very good. What a contrast. We see grace, don't we, in verse 20 where God covers them. It says with animal skins. It could be argued, where did he get the skins from? Possibly he killed an animal in order to get the skin to cover them. Because there was no death yet at that point, right? But there is now because of sin. And maybe possibly this is a picture of sacrifice. You know, God meeting their ultimate need in forgiveness. Otherwise, they, they should have been executed. God meets their, 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 their ultimate need as well as their immediate needs. Just covering them up. Okay, this is the way it's going to be now. Everyone's going to need to cover up. Okay, so let's work with that. Which brings us um, nicely to our last point. <clears throat> Remember I said we're going to come back to verse 15, right? So, our fourth point. So, first of all, we talked about the serpent, then the sin, um, then the sentence we just talked about. And now let's talk about the Savior. There's little hidden pictures of the Savior sprinkled throughout last and this week so far. But hear the promise of another Adam. Another Adam. Remember I, I told you in the Garden of Gethsemane. Serpent, trees, God, and Adam. Another Adam in the Garden of Gethsemane. Genesis um, Genesis 3, again, back at verse 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And then switches now to the serpent and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers, between your offspring. Now, I don't, I'm not going to try to qualify the fact that this is speaking to the devil. We did that last week, right? You can listen to last week's. And again, Pastor E's. I'll put enmity between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring, how many of you know Satan's got offspring, and hers, the woman's offspring. He, singular, will crush your head, Satan. He, that is, the woman's offspring, and you will strike his heel. Who is Eve's first offspring? Thank you, Cain. Who was the second offspring? Abel, would it be fair to say that Cain, <clears throat> Cain resisted the will of God and committed murder in the first degree, right? And it's funny, isn't it? Because people can say kind of nowadays, oh, this person committed murder. There's loads of reasons why they would have done that. Their upbringing, it's nurture, you know what I'm saying? Um, but the argument for nature has to be there also because there weren't no... There weren't no triple um, X rated um, horror movies back then for Cain to look at. There weren't no grime for Cain to listen to. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what on earth? Like, this is talk, this is original sin. You know what I'm saying? This is this is this is a, this is a, a sickness. This is a, a, a um, what do you call it when someone's got some venom in them and they're contaminated? We say some kind of toxin. I'm saying this is a toxin that 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 affects or infects every single human being after Adam. You know what I'm saying? And immediately, 
you see the implications of that. Cain murdering his brother. And our friend Duncan, I mentioned it last week, but I didn't talk about the antithesis, the antithesis, um, where he talks about the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And you trace, you can from Genesis right through to Revelation, trace two seed lines, the seed of the woman and the seed of the, the serpent. And <clears throat> it's a bit, it's a, it's, there's, there's a bit more to it than what I've just said. But what we see is it, it's displayed right there in that story. Cain, seed of the serpent, and Abel, the seed, if you like, of the woman, in contrast. So Hebrews 11, verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And something happened between Adam and Eve getting kicked out of the garden and Cain obviously becoming an adult and Abel, where they already begin to understand sacrifice. Again, I'll go back to them, God slaying the animal and putting skins on them. It might be a stretch. We can talk about that. But... By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. There's a distinction. How many of you know it doesn't say that Cain was unrighteous, but that's exactly the contrast that's being drawn. The two seeds, the righteous seed of the woman, the unrighteous seed of Satan. In 1 John 3, murder, verse 11 says, this is the message you heard from the beginning. See that? This is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one. You see the evil one's offspring? And murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Can you see the two seed lines? Genesis 4 verse 25 says, Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. And from here, what we see is an anticipation. Is, okay, oh my gosh, I had Cain, oh my goodness. And then I had Cain and I had Abel, and then Cain killed Abel. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know I'm not, I know I'm not the hero, says Eve. And I know my husband, Adam, ain't the hero. You know what I'm saying? And Cain ain't the hero, you know what I'm saying? And it can't be Abel because he's dead. But look, the Lord has given me another offspring, Seth. The anticipate. Don't worry, we're, I'm going to show you how it builds. You'll be like, mm, I'm not really sure. That's a bit of a stretch, Robert. Don't worry, I'm going to show you the anticipation is going to build throughout the whole of the Old Testament, crying out for this individual who is the seed of the woman who will do what? Crush the head of the serpent. Because you and me can't do it. We need a hero. We need someone to come and do it for us. You see, this is the anticipation of the serpent crusher or the dragon slayer. Galatians 3.16 just, just gives it to us nicely on a plate. Watch. Now, the promises were made to Abraham, and we're going to see that this come up in a couple of weeks' time, and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, plural, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, and you see, it gives you who, the, this is the mystery person. It's Christ. It's Jesus. He's the mystery offspring. He's the one that's going to crush the head of the serpent, but at the same time, he's going to have his heel bruised. The cross. That's where he got a bruising. And that is an understatement. But in the process of him being bruised, he crushed the head of the serpent. The Lord Jesus, when laying down his life 
as the Bible describes him, the last Adam. It don't call him, the se- some people are second Adam. It doesn't say second Adam. The Bible says second man. And it can be argued that Adam means man. But Jesus is a, Jesus is a second man to be, to, to, to be born like Adam in that without sin. Adam, you know, there's only two people ever born without sin. Born. One was made without sin, and Adam, and the second Adam, the last Adam, Jesus. The lo- there ain't going to be a, there's not a second one or a third, fourth one. He's the last Adam. Jesus comes. You see, the point is Jesus comes and he does what the first Adam couldn't do. And the silly thing is, when it comes to stories, we like to write ourselves into the story, don't we? You see a, you see a story like Adam, like, 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 like David and Goliath, you know what I'm saying? And we see David and Goliath, and David takes on Goliath, you know. And we're like, yeah. I want to be like David, be like David, the serpent, the, 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 the giant's killer. You know what I mean? But when we look at a story like that, you're not supposed to read yourself into the main role. Hey, you should be, this is me and you. you we, sh- we are the soldiers over here going like this. When my man comes out, when my man, when Goliath comes out, beat in his chest. Fee, five, four. Fight. I smell the blood of an Israelite. You know what I'm saying? When he comes out banging his chest like that, the soldiers are like this. Right? That's us. Right? Like, we talk about evangelism. Did you, did you guys go? You never went out yesterday, right? I resisted the temptation to call. I thought, oh, I've got to call um, um, Mikey P. I said, Mikey, are you look going out today? And I thought, no, it's the party today. It's un- Mommy Sarah's party. Them man's ain't going to be going out today, but you lot still went out. <sighs> but you know how you feel when evangelism, oh, we got to go out evangelism. You're like, oh my gosh, like, evangelism. I swear I'm not called to evangelism. Hospitality, that's what I'm called to, <laughs> right? That's, uh, we're the soldiers shaking forevermore. We're, 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 we're King Saul. King Saul, you know. Oh, I wonder who's going to fight this battle. You're like, fam, you're the king. Like, you should be at the front. of. The, oh, I wonder who's going to fight this battle, man. Oh, here comes David. Oh, David, look, here's my armor. Put my armor on. Look, it fits. It don't fit. It's so big for him. It's hanging. He's like, no, nah, I, can't, I can't work with this. We're the king trying to absolve ourselves of responsibility. That's who we are in the story. And furthermore, you know who really depicts us in the story? The Philistine the stinking, loudmouth, like abhorrent Philistine himself, Goliath. The animal, the monster Goliath. You know why? Because he's the enemy of all that is God and good. He's the enemy of Israel. But that's, Romans says that that's, that's who we were. We were the enemy of God at a point. Just like Goliath. I'm saying, you see how we read the story wrong? We're, you want to be David. You're not David. Like, just allow that. I, uh, uh, me too. I want to be David. But when, you know who David is a picture of? David is a picture of the hero. You're not the hero. Adam. Eve, you're not the hero. Robert, you are definitely not the hero. See? I remember back in the day when you used to watch Kung Fu. I know my time's gone in it. I'm nearly finished. You know, you used to watch Kung Fu movies, right? Watch Kung Fu movies. Some of you lot don't even know about Bruce Lee, right? But you come out the cinema, you know. <laughs> You're like... 
what, we always want to be the hero. You know what I mean? And convince us. I, like, I come out there and I'm like, you know what? Tonight is not the night for anyone to try me. You know what I mean? Tonight, because I'm convinced. I read myself right into the story, right? Like, you know, like late night, whatever, you watch them kick a, you, Some of you guys don't know about that. But you go kebab shop. They never had chicken shop in them days. You go kebab shop after you come from the cinema. You know what I mean? And even, like, you, you, you know, you, 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 like, I think I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, even the way I pass the man the, the, the tomato sauce or the burger sauce, it's not tomato. I pass the man the burger sauce, I'm like, Because I think I'm Terminator. I watched the film and I read myself into the... I thought, that, I thought those stories were worth telling because it helps us. Because immediately... We, we need to read these stories. I Jesus said it in John chapter 5, verse 39. He says, you read the whole of the Old Testament, the Psalms, the, uh, the, you know what I'm saying, the Moses. He says, you read them... And think that in them you have life, yet they are those that speak about me, yet you won't come to me. I'm saying, let's read the Bible right in it, because we, you and I need someone to save us. Can you see how sick this story is? Can you see how, how, how ill the Bible is as a story full of drama? My gosh. Um, all right, let me wrap up. So, Adam, watch this as we finish. Romans 5 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world, how? Track with me. Help me. Come on, guys. Help me. Just, therefore, just as sin entered the world, how? Who's that one man? Thank you. And death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men, none excluded, because all sinned. Nevertheless, wow. Wow, nevertheless, you know. Death reigned from the time of Adam, the first Adam, to the time of Moses. Even though those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam. Who, notice, who is a pattern of the one to come. Verse 17, for if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man? Who? Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as a result of one trespass was condemnation for all men and women, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men, or at least those who will put their trust in that one man. For just as through the, dis the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Can you see the last Adam being described here? 1 Corinthians 15, this is it. Lick the ball clean out the park now, watch for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Remember we talked about being in team Adam and team Christ? Right. Verse 45, so it is written, the first man, Adam, Adam number one became a living being. The last Adam 
parenthesis, Jesus, a life-giving spirit. I'm like, oh boy, I don't know what that does for you, but Romans 16, verse 20. Maybe I shouldn't have even shown this, but I will because it ties up the message. Speaking to the church in Romans 16, 20, Paul says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. You hear the language? Can you hear, can you hear, can you hear an echo? Can you hear, where's the echo? I know you know, but help me. Work with me, innit? What, this Genesis 3.15. The offspring, the seed of the woman. How many of you know women don't have seed? There's only one woman on the planet at any time that's ever had seed, and her name's Mary. Oh, right, like, how did I get pregnant? Like, everyone's like, how did you get pregnant? There's only one way you could have got pregnant. Her husband, even her husband, like, I can't work with this because someone slept with you. No, they never. Because she's the woman that Genesis 3.15 described as the woman who was going to have seed. Isaiah 6, there's going to be a virgin who's going to bring forth a son. You see how the Bible is one story. I'm going to try and convince you, you know, over the next 10 weeks, I'm going to try and convince you. See, and the thing is, what this, how I would describe this is, the God of peace will soon cross Satan under your feet. Paul's speaking to the church. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, right? So if, whatever Jesus does now, the body benefits from. So the feet are not on the head, they're on the body. So how we, the body, crush the head of the serpent, it's not us. Remember, we're not the hero. Hey, it's because of Jesus, why the body of Christ will soon crush Satan. Or, or God will crush Satan. Yeah, let's get, get it right under our feet. Apart from Christ, we'd be on our own and would remain forever lost in our sins. However, we're done. As in Adam will die, so in Christ you'll be made alive. Anyone found in team Adam will die. Anyone found in team Christ will be made alive. And that's good news in the face of the fall. So as the team come, um, my question to you is, well, I've got two. Who's your hero? Hey, you can plug that out. Who's your hero? Who's your hero? Because there's only one real superhero. And we learned that when we did John, right? Superman. It's a description of Jesus. He's, the, he's super, but he's a man. He's human and he's divine. It's Jesus. Any other hero can't save you, can't rescue you. And depending on how you answer that question, who's your hero? Let me ask you to, if you bear with me and close your eyes um, as the team come up. <clears throat> Who is your hero? The Bible says there's only one. Only one. He's God and he became a man and he humbled himself to become a man even to the death of the cross. And the Bible says because he did that, he's been highly exalted and he's been given a name that's above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is the hero. He's Lord. 
And your, the answer to that question, who is your hero, will answer the second question. Like, which team are you on in it? Are you on Adam's team? Like, Man United are playing a big game today against um, Southampton. If anybody makes a drastic enough mistake, the game is going to go one of two ways. And everyone on that Manchester United team are going to be vexed if they end up losing because someone makes a mistake. I'm saying Adam made a mistake for us as humans. And Adam lost. We looked at the result, the repercussions of his sin. And we will have to face those same repercussions, not just temporarily, but ultimately, eternally, if we don't get off of that losing team and get on the winning team. Father, thank you for your word and thank you that you are so helpful. You could have just told us what it was and in a very formal way, this is what we need to do, but you, you tell us in a story, in a wonderful story, and you grant us the privilege of being able to respond to the choice of joining that new team. Lord, would you help us? Help those of us, Lord, who haven't made that decision yet, but possibly have been moved somewhat closer to making that decision today, Lord, to get out of Adam, get out of that team, and to get into Christ. And for those of us, Lord, who are already in Christ, help us to enjoy the best, the benefit, and the privileges. No more curse. Wow. No more broken relationships. There's no need for more, no more broken relationships with one another, but ultimately with you, Lord. Marriages, Lord, experiencing brokenness in their relationships. Father, if they're not believers, I understand that. But Lord, anyone who's a believer here today or not here today, especially individuals who are members of our church, Lord, would you please remind them of this story because it helps us to see the bigger picture. Father, thank you for your response to the fall. In Jesus' name, amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.